and welcome to NSTA, the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, Executive Director, and pleased today to be joined by James Davis. He's Product Management Director, Passenger Transportation Programs over at National Interstate Insurance Company and previous guests at NSTA, the bus stop. So, James, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Kurt. Appreciate the time that you allow me on the bus stop for. Oh, great, great. You know, for folks who probably, you know, may not have listened to the, you know, first time you were on, I always like to go through briefly, you know, a background because so many people have interesting stories about how they got into student transportation. So if we just take a second and, you know, talk about your background and role at National Interstate. Yeah, yeah. So I've been with National Interstate for about 10 years now. And and the whole time I've worked in our uh, passenger transportation business and you know, that encompasses a lot of things, but the, the primary subsegment of that is really student transportation uh, insurance. So I got started in the insurance space a little over 10 years with, with really little experience and, 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 and learned from kind of the ground up and, you know, got hooked up with a great company here at National Interstate that, you know, was founded on the student transportation insurance space. And, and we've kind of grown from there, you know, over the last, you know, 30 years, you know, writing this business. And, Kind of grown into a market expert in this space. Yeah, that's great. And you know, as you know, we're we're, we're here. It's the back to school period, and just so much is going on. So I'd like to dive into a few, you know, areas that operators should look at. And you know, let's let's talk about those things as they you know really dive deeply into the back to school period. And and the first one that comes to mind is proper qualification. So. You know, we talk a lot about the the driver shortage. There's, you know, a lot of focus on that. So let's talk about proper qualifications, you know, as one of the things that fleet managers have to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. So it's obviously no secret. Finding qualified drivers is definitely one of the largest industry challenges in this space right now. And, and, you know, it's really important for for operators and contractors to, to not, you know, not deviate from their hiring practices and and make exceptions. You know, the, the the deviation off of your your hiring practices and, and quality uh, standards is ultimately results in a lower driver quality, which could translate to you know higher likelihood of loss and, and liability. So you know, we, we understand that it's it puts customers in a in a really tough position, and, and often contractors have to make um, kind of one of two bad decisions at the end of the day. You know, they're either going to lose revenue because they can't you know run that route. They're, or they're going to, you know, have a really, you know, poor uh, driver profile that, that they continue to build. And, you know, interestingly, you know, loss of revenue is immediate. You see it. It impacts right away. But, you know, don't underlook or underestimate the, you know, the, the possible long-term negative effects of, of adding uh, weak drivers to your driver pool and, and how that can, you know, adversely impact your, your loss history, you know, over time. It, it kind of compounds as well when you look at it. and so. You know, just ensuring that you, you continue to maintain strong hiring criteria and, and following it, you know, across the board. You know, think about things like your, your, your MVR, both your initial, your annual MVR polls, your pre-employment drug screenings, you know, the query to the, the, the clearinghouse if it's necessary and, and, and the DOT physicals with, with your doctor, your criminal background checks and, and your employer uh, background checks. They're all vital to continue to do it because plaintiff attorneys are looking for, 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 for the absence of these things being done. And they love exposing that, you know, those holes and, and, 
that's where large claim settlements really end up happening at the end of the day. Yeah, some really good advice there. And, you know, it, it, no pun intended, but there are no shortcuts. And, and speaking of which, we'll, you know, go into root planning because, you know, there's a lot of focus on this. And I guess sometimes, you know, we can be swayed into doing things because of, you know, district pressure or parental pressure. So, so James, talk to us a little bit about root planning. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, some of the, the hay might already be in the barn per se here a little bit, but you know, you can always have active conversations with your school school, school uh, districts and, and and or customers at the end of the day on 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 evaluating these things, right? You know, some of some things may become out of your control, but certainly look for things that are concerning early on, especially right now as school has started up. And you know, if you see an early trend, try to identify that. You know, to the school district, look for for ways to 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 route out of those tough areas uh, or work to, to move stops, bus stops, as an example, you know, when possible, because you're seeing, you're seeing the expansion of, uh, of negligence kind of, you know, play in here and, and plaintiff attorneys trying to, you know, point fault, you know, at contractors and bus companies for dropping kids off in the wrong places. And, and you know, then maybe going out and get hurt or, you know, get hit by a car elsewhere. And, and so, you know, kind of my advice here is, you know, try to control as much as you can. Work with your with your districts when you can't. Try to try to come together with a, a stakeholder you know group internally. You know it could be drivers, dispatch, safety management, your your financial folks to to kind of work together and and, and look at what areas of uh, routes need to be reviewed and or addressed sooner rather than later. If you wait till the end of the year or, or middle of the year, it, it could be too late. You know to prevent a major accident. Yeah, so true. You know, it's interesting. The next topic I was on, I was presenting before a national, you know, motor coach association, and we had talked on a variety of issues, but then it came around to, you know, driver shortage, you know, obviously, which is a hot topic, but we, you know, we talked primarily about, you know, the mindset that the school bus drivers are, you know, qualified, trained professionals. And, you know, you alluded to how things are, are busy, so busy, but you have to get training, you know, in and you have to get your folks involved in, in training. So, you know, what's your outlook on, on that, you know, especially as schedules are so tight these days? Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, training, training and more training, right? You, you can never train enough, uh, you know, in a day and, and, you know, try to equate your, your professional drivers to professional athletes, right? You know, regardless of professional athletes' talent and performance, they just train. They train, they train. If they don't, you know, they're not going to succeed on game day, right? So, you know, take a similar focus. You know, take a, an athlete type of focus, uh, you know, to drivers and, and make sure they're set up for success and, and that their skill sets aren't diminishing, right? It's not good enough anymore just to train them with the beginning of the year and let them go. It, you know, you have to find ways to, to have remedial, you know, training, you know, continuous training, you know, with the driver shortage, you're going to have uh, new hires coming on at different times, you know, maybe running new routes, you know, so, so think about what that looks like for you as a contractor and, 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 you know, what your continuous training kind of philosophy is and, and how you're going to get your, your new drivers, you know, acclimated to the space and including your, your drivers that maybe, you know, have been there a long time as well. So, Kind of going back to the new drivers a little bit, you know, it's it's no it's, it's no statistical uh, secret that new drivers cause a larger proportion uh, of accidents. So 
try to get out ahead of that curve and, and minimize it as much as possible, you know, with, with training and, and could be uh, all types of, diff, you know, training in terms of remedial or, or one time. But at the end of the year, it's important or at the end of the day, it's important to um, uh, stay on top of this and, and make it kind of an ever evolving process, you know, uh, in order to lower kind of your risk profile at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's real interesting. So if you think about what you said, and I'm going to emphasize it about, you know, training, training, more training, and continual training, you know, the, the football team doesn't just lift weights, you know, during the preseason or during summer camp. You know, that's an ongoing process. So it's kind of, to your point about, you know, treat it like you're being an athlete. You know, if if they did, there'd be an awful lot of sloppy football in, in November and December, right? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. They're on top of their game by that point, and, and, and that's kind of the point here, uh, you know, from yeah. the driver standpoint. Yep, yep, same philosophy. So, uh, you know, one thing that comes up all the time and uh, frequently when we're on our committee calls or we're doing a webinar is just the, you know, amount of technology vis-a-vis uh, -vis the school bus these days. And, you know, I think folks are embracing technology, you know, and you'll, you know, you probably talk about that, but I think the other thing Two is for for people operators to sift through the technology and and utilize it. It's you know one thing to kind of purchase this stuff, but then it's another thing to make sure that it's used and used properly. So, what are your thoughts on uh, you know technology as it can you know improve your risk profile? Yeah, I think anybody not looking at it right now is going to be in for some trouble down the road. I I, I really think that. You really need to embrace, you know, technology, both inward and outward facing cameras, telematic services that can really grade your drivers and identify leading indicators over lagging indicators, uh, per se. And, you know, at the end of the day, this, the technology can really assist you with proactively identifying unsafe, uh, uh, behaviors, you know, and get out ahead of it, right? But, to your point, you can't just buy it and expect it to, to completely work on its own. I think you also need to make investments in the people and individuals, whether it's department individuals that are kind of managing it, whether it's the implementation or the ongoing, you know, reporting from it. it you know, it's not good enough just to buy it and plug it in at the end of the day. And, and so I think right now, a pretty crucial hire in kind of the, the school bus management, you know, realm is, is somebody that, you know, knows this space well and knows how to use it to coach train and, and kind of reinforce the good behaviors with your drivers and 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 coach out the bad behaviors at the end of the day and the technologies you know we've seen it work you know all day long for the people that invest in it and, and do it and it certainly lowers lost cost over time so uh, it's 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 there to be used and and i just kind of encourage it you know for, for people in this space yeah, no doubt. And I think one of the other areas that, uh, you know, we often hear about, especially in the back to school period, is, you know, with respect to, you know, engaging with your school districts and with your your parents and certainly with the students to educate them more about the, the safety zones in and around the school bus. You know, I think one of the things that's great about student transportation, obviously, is its safety record. It's the safest form of transportation times 70 than any other form of transportation. And that success is great. But I think that the areas that we need to focus on are those areas, you know, around the halo of the bus. 
So, uh, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about community engagement and how that could be helpful for operators, you know, in, in maintaining a good risk management profile. Yeah, I think um, you see a lot of it now with, um, you know, things like the stop arm, you know, cameras and, and the, um, some of the campaigns that are going on right there. But I think you can take it further than that. Obviously, that's a, a large hazard. But, you know, think about this. The, the, you know, all the, the hazards around a school bus. And, and to your point, school buses are, are the, the safest mode of transportation. In fact, a lot of the major accidents that happen are actually happen outside of the school bus, right? It's pedestrians or it's, it's somebody else hitting the school bus, you know, type of thing. And, and so, you know, I think it's important to, to, to engage with your community, whether it's the school district directly, your, your law enforcement. I think there's a lot of good benefits to this, uh, you, you know, in educating the general public about the the hazards and, and you know you can often get an elevated brand in your community by doing you know so and and things like that you know an elevated brand and community uh you know reputation can also help with uh, you know the driver hiring issues right you know you have a perceived you know better value in in your marketplace yeah that's a really good point and i'm going to highlight what you said there and engaging with you know with law enforcement because they typically have a built-in credibility, right, around safety. And so engaging with them and, and offering something jointly to the community is often going to be looked upon as, as a very net positive for the operator. Yeah, you, you can hardly lose in those situations. If anything else, you're building further relationships with your local law enforcement, uh, which is, is always a good thing to have uh, in your back pocket at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. Now, one thing that's you know always referred to, and, and some folks, it's interesting, you know, might maybe understand the concept of risk management, but otherwise, you know, we talk, we throw that term around a lot. But uh, you know, maybe we can talk in you know in plain language here, James, about risk management and tips that are specific to you know what you know what's coming up, and you know with with you know the emerging trend of um, you know electric school buses, and this has really been a hot topic, and and. Uh, you know, so it's going to change the paradigm somewhat, but maybe you can talk a little bit about the electric school bus and then some areas where, you know, it's going to come into play with their, their risk management profile. Yeah, sure. It's, it's definitely a uh, an emerging topic from our perspective as well, because, you know, the way we view it is, you know, there isn't, there's not an overwhelming, you know, usage of, of these today, but with coming subsidies and, and other programs, you know, you're going to see kind of a rationing up of these electric school buses, you know, in fleets. And then, you know, so consequently, you know, I'm speculating a little bit on on some of the things that, you know, you really ought to, you know, look for from a risk management standpoint, because the risk management playbook book's just, just not quite there yet, to be honest, because that's usually a reaction to claims patterns, right? You know, usually look at what claims patterns are occurring and, and, and kind of react to it. And, and so, but, but we can draw some other parallels, right? Um, you know, anytime new equipment is introduced, um, you know, there's things to kind of think about from a risk management standpoint. I kind of, you know, you know, equate this to thinking about things like, you know, if you had a motor coach operator as an example, and you trained the driver for weeks or, or, or months in an in a MCI bus, and then you turned around and let them loose on their first trip in a Volvo bus. Is that a good idea? Probably not, right? So similarly on, on the school bus side, let's let's you know let's try to understand what the technology does and, and how it works. And you know, first start out with things that you know when you look at the 
the the maintenance needs of these. You know, that's going to be a little different than than uh, than the, the natural gas, diesel, or propane powered you know units. So um, that's a good starting point. You, you know, when you when you want to really look at different technology, and then you know take it to the next step and, and think about you know sitting in the driver's seat from their perspective. You know, does this equipment have different controls? Those are going to be distractions on day one if they're not properly trained. You know, if you don't take uh, if you don't take an action plan to educate and provide kind of this specialized training across the the driver force, uh, you, you know, so so there's some things kind of to consider there on the risk management front that uh, you know with the, with the newer uh, with the newer equipment, you know, uh, at the end of the day, driver fault makes up you know majority of accidents, so. Mm-hmm. This kind of goes back to the blocking and tackling of uh, trying to, to set our drivers up for success. Right, right. Now, you know, one thing that has come up, and I guess to your point that we're kind of um, in the infancy of this process, has been, you know, the impact of electric school buses uh, on coverages. Um, so, you know, in terms of, and, and it's probably even too new a topic, but um, w- with respect to like physical, things like physical damage, we know that the you know the electric bus um, does cost more than than a regular diesel bus, but are you know are there other considerations in terms of coverages that the folks have to look out? Yeah, I think so. So I mean, you mentioned the physical damage. That's a pretty straight line calculation. Usually, if, you know, uh, the the premiums tend to be you know a smaller overall impact, but are, are often correlated with that underlying asset. And, and so, yeah, as the asset value goes up higher, so does you know the premium. That's pretty straightforward, I think, from the insurance perspective. But when you look at things like your liability coverages, you know, right now we kind of are, are viewing, you know, uh, electric buses as, you know, not likely to, to change a whole lot initially, uh, you know, from, from a liability standpoint. In essence, you know, if you add an electric bus, you know, we're not going to see huge lift, you know, or, or, or drop either way kind of on those premiums. Now, I think there may be some slants towards, you know, doing that might, might, you know, modernized fleets and, and, and a more modern fleet might have more technologies in it to, you know, such as advanced driver technologies to kind of prevent, you know, accidents from happening. But, you know, certainly consideration kind of uh, on, on the liability side. Um, and then, I mean, just high level, Kurt, I mean, there's um, workers' compensation. We hear a lot about how, you know, there's less maintenance need. Uh, that could go a long way in your garages, right? That are that are really struggling to to staff up or find qualified people to work on these buses, and and so you know you could really look at your garage payrolls coming down a little bit. That could improve your risk profile, I think potentially. Uh, and then just some other considerations and things like property. You know, if you have specialized charging equipment, uh, there's certain coverages, you know, additional coverages you may need to look into on the property side to. Uh, cover cover those uh, cover that equipment and or, and or infrastructure uh, to ensure that it, it's insured. Yeah, all great points, uh, James. Now, one last thing is, and this has really been a topic that we've we've talked about in the association, you know, for several months now, and that's the effect overall effect of inflation. But certainly, inflation does impact you know the insurance. Uh, market. So what, what, you know, what do you have to say about, you know, the inflationary impact uh, on the insurance market? Yeah, I think uh, it depends on what segment you kind of look at, but, you know, I'll focus kind of on the liability segment, you know, as it's the most prevalent, that's where the most premium is. It's, it's, it's kind of the big, 
a big elephant in the room. And, and uh, there continues to kind of be a perfect storm there, uh, you know, when it comes to insurance costs. And, you know, the, the inflation that you're seeing now uh, through the news cycle, the, the CPI inflation is, is will continue to probably throw a little fuel on on the fire and and uh, you know because this industry was already struggling with what we call social inflation pressures you know prior to I'll call it real consumer inflation you know coming through and and you know we could get into you know a whole separate segment on this but you know uh, verdicts and 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 settlements are rising across the board for all types of accidents so not just the serious ones, you often hear about you know, the impact of nuclear verdicts and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we're actually seeing, you know, uh, you know, there are these rising costs across even lower level claims that, you know, might have been a very mild, you know, uh, settlement pr- previously, you know, is becoming a little bit more moderate now. Um, you know, you think about the, the, the reptile theory that, you know, there's this anti-business uh, bias that, that exists from the general population who is going to be your uh, in your jury, right at the end of the day, and and you know this jury pool kind of drives you know where settlements kind of kind of kind of go because that's that's what we're up against is a trial at the end of the day usually. So um, all these other things that kind of contribute you know contribute to social inflation, which you know if I just summarize and simplify is really just the concept that the 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 general population believes that people that are injured deserve more today than they did yesterday. And, and not just a little bit more, but substantially more. They're trying to stick it to the man, you know, type of thing. So um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's kind of unfortunate from that standpoint, but you know, you also right. have, uh, you know, medical costs and, you know, that's impacted by inflation and, and, and those can become a leveraging point in claim negotiations or settlement negotiations. Cause at the very least we got to bring, you know, um, uh, hurt uh, people back to whole. Uh, and, right. and so that can, that can drive costs, uh, you know, along with just some, some things that you're seeing in the supply chain, you know, with, um, you know, parts and repairs, you know, right. We hurt, we, we crash into a car, we have to repair it. Right. And that could take a little bit longer, uh, you know, to get done than, than maybe it used to. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of great points and you're right. We could probably almost talk about, uh, do a whole podcast on the effect of uh, in- inflation on on markets and insurance markets, but you know specifically. So a lot of great points there, and that and that the straight you know it's not a straight line calculus that juries use, you know, in in award in making awards. So yeah, it's a it's a great point. Listen, a lot of great content as usual, James. Uh, folks want to learn more about National Interstate. Where can they go for that information? Yeah, so if you want to learn more about National Interstate, you can go to our website, uh, www.natl.com. You can also ask your insurance agent or broker to uh, to reach out to us or reach out to me personally if you're if you're looking for an agent and broker. uh, We can certainly try to find one for you. Uh, And then you know you'll you'll probably see us uh, at continued and and future NSTA meetings and uh, you know continue to to, as we continue to. sponsor and, and, and support this industry through this group. Uh, uh, and uh, just really looking forward to, uh, uh, you know, the continued uh, support here, Kurt. No, thanks. You, uh, you know, as always, James, for your, your insight. Once again, our guest at NSTA, the bus stop, James Davis, product management director, passenger transportation programs over at National Interstate Insurance Company. James, Thanks for taking a couple minutes out and joining us at NSD at the bus stop. Thanks, sir.